Humanist Take on the World, Episode 20, Some Wins and Losses. Welcome to another episode of Humanist Take on the World. I am Dustin, and it's just me today. And if I sound a little bit different than usual, it's because I'm in Studio B, which I haven't used in a couple of years. <laughs> uh, this is the uh, makeshift studio, no, sort of makeshift, uh, using some old gear I had that I've rebuilt several times and not used much that's uh, in uh, my bedroom. Main studio setup's in the living room. Kylie is five now and not taking naps, so, uh, and also the Christmas tree is in the way of the main recording setup, so, uh, yeah, I'm doing Studio B right now, and that should just be fine. And it's been a while since we've talked about any news, so let's catch up on some of the stuff that's been going on. One of the areas that the leaked draft of the Supreme Court ruling that overturned Roe versus Wade, as well as Clarence Thomas's consenting opinion, was that they would be, you know, hoping to get some cases to try to overturn the Obergefell ruling that legalized same-sex marriage across the United States. In response to this, Congress has now passed a law that got signed into law by President Biden called the Defense of Marriage Act. I'm sure you've heard about this, but there are some definitely interesting things with this this bill. First up, this overturns the Defense of Marriage Act. It is a full repeal of it. The Defense of Marriage Act was the 1996 law that prohibited any federal recognition of any same-sex marriage. That was passed because there was a court case in Hawaii that was concerning people that it might end up legalizing same-sex marriage. And so that is finally off the books. There are some good and some bad in this Respect for Marriage Act. And that's, that's an okay thing. Because it had nothing to do with the budget, reconciliation was not an option for the Senate. So they had to make it something that would get at least 10 Republicans to support it in the Senate. They got the cloture motion to actually clear it to come before a vote or come to a vote. It passed 6237. And the final version passed 6136. Most of the Republican senators voted against it, but some did vote for it. In the the version in the House, most Republicans voted against it, but 39 actually voted to approve the version that came out of the Senate. This is something that has been proposed since 2009, and it's finally now on the books. Um, Interestingly, it was the final version of the bill. The original version of the bill had the support of the Episcopal Church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the Union for Reform Judaism, the United Church of Christ, and the Presbyterian Church. With the Republican appeasing amendments, it gained the support of the Mormon Church. However, every version of it has been opposed by the 
U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, and the Southern Baptist Convention. So this, this covers basically federal recognition and full faith and credit across the states. And interracial marriage is also included. So it does prohibit any person acting under, it says, under color of state law may deny uh, full faith and credit to any public act, record, or judicial proceeding of any other state pertaining to marriage between two individuals on the basis of the sex, race, ethnicity, or national origin of those individuals, or, or a claim arising from a marriage that would not be recognized under that state's law based on the sex, race, ethnicity, or national origin of the individuals. What this means is if Obergefell gets overturned and any same-sex couple would have access to divorce, would have to be recognized and treated as married in any and every state. So their status, the status of the people who've already gotten married, would not be affected. If states were to stop doing same-sex marriage, or interracial marriage for that fact, then any couple could get married in a state that does allow it. And their home state would be required by law to recognize that. Uh, One of the things that this covers is what law to apply on marriage. And they went with the law that applies is the law that was in effect at the time in the state where it was performed not the state where people live. And one of the reasons why some Republicans were even okay with this is people move. So if we went back to some, you know, same-sex marriage is legal in blue states and illegal in red states. If we got to that point, then if you got married in Oregon and then moved to Idaho, and Idaho didn't recognize same-sex marriages, then just by moving across state lines, which could be literally as simple as moving two miles across the border, then that would be, that'd be a crazy thing. (laughs) So having the rule be, follow the rules of the state where it happened at the time means same-sex couples can't have their marriages taken away from them. The fact that it requires those marriages to be recognized completely also includes the issue that was happening before Obergefell of same-sex couples getting married in a state that they didn't live in, moving back to a state where their marriage wasn't recognized, and then not being able to get a divorce. This guarantees access to that. It also specifically authorizes the attorney general to sue states who violate this, and also specifically authorizes uh, private citizens who are harmed by violations of this to file lawsuits. It updates the language of how the federal law recognizes marriage to recognizing any marriage that is legal in the state and at the time that it was performed. They also cover what happens to somebody who is married outside of the United States. And, And this this covers that if it was legal in if it's legal in any of the 50 states then it's recognized as legal 
there are some pros and cons there. <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's great that if it's a, a same sex couple from the Netherlands coming over to the U S and moving to you know, Texas, they have to recognize that because that marriage would have been recognized. It would have been legal in, in Washington, for example. Uh, this also means that if anybody married a child with that child's parental consent in a foreign country, because that would be legal in Idaho, where there is no minimum age, all states would have to recognize that as valid. So there's pros and cons. Uh, one of the more negative sides on this is they explicitly make a big deal this this will not diminish religious liberty or conscience and it specifically calls out that religious nonprofits faith-based social agencies religious educational institutions and nonprofits that have the focus of religion are not required to do anything with marriages they don't approve of. It also makes it very clear that it does not impact any rights that are not related to a marriage, such as contracts. So there will absolutely be some fights about government contractors and whether or not they have to respect and provide benefits for employees who are in same-sex marriages or not. And to also make, you know, make Republicans more comfortable that they wouldn't be accidentally legalizing polygamy, it specifically says that it does not allow for the marriage of more than two people. All in all, this is a huge step forward, actually getting it on the books, making sure that marriage rights are not solely left up to the Supreme Court. Uh, it doesn't go as far as the Hodges ruling, the Burgerfell v. Hodges ruling did, and that is due to the fact that the federal government is limited as to what it can do. It would be nice if it was a bit stronger, but it's not, and it's still a win, a big win. One Supreme Court case that we haven't heard a ruling on yet was about a web developer. In Colorado, it was about a custom website designer in Colorado whose name is Lori Smith, who refuses to make websites for same-sex weddings. Based on the questions, the state of Colorado uh, was the other party in this, this, uh, this case, and, and it was about there are non-discrimination rules that require that if you have a public business that you must accommodate anyone, regardless of sexual orientation, religion, race, or gender. The designer's case was that what she creates is artistic expression and that forcing her to design a website that is, goes against her, her religion would be forcing her to express things that go against her deeply held religious views. Now, of course, she isn't actually in business yet. She's preemptively, she preemptively sued Colorado 
to have the right to create a wedding website business that discriminates against same-sex couples. The Supreme Court, the justices on the Supreme Court asked a lot of very interesting questions that presented three possible directions they could go. From the most conservative members, it was absolute freedom to discriminate seemed to be where they were pushing. And from the most liberal members, it was leaning a lot towards maximum public accommodation from businesses open to the public. And the middle of the court, which is very conservative, (laughs) make sure that's very clear, was going for trying to find a line between what is a business trying to find a line as to when when a business is a business of general public accommodation and when is it a creative endeavor and finding a way of balancing what's a creative work versus what's a product and most likely what will end up happening is Roberts will try to find some standard that he can get the liberals and Gorsuch and squeak by with a as narrow of a ruling as possible. If that ends up being the ruling that comes out, it'll be very interesting. They will need to determine exactly what's a creative work. I know wedding cakes will be a big part of it. And determining at what point is a wedding cake a creative effort and at what point is it a product that would apply to florists. It would apply to, obviously, it would, they'd figure out how to apply it to website designers. But virtually everything around a wedding, there is a creative element to it. And at what point are you a creative artist and at what point are you a general business? And this will be very interesting to see what they decide. Uh, Reverend Rob Schenck testified before the House Judiciary Committee, acknowledging what his former group, Faith in Action, which he led until 2018, was doing with the Supreme Court. He's the, the source of the leak on the Hobby Lobby ruling from 2014, and says that he heard about it from a donor to his organization who had dinner at Justice Samuel Alito's house. Uh, His organization specifically tried to form friendships with Supreme Court justices, especially the court's more right-wing members, and to use those friendships, whether it was direct or from friends of their organization, to try to nudge their opinions further and further to the right, specifically on issues around same-sex marriage, abortion, and the like. In response to all of this, uh, the House Democrats have proposed legislation uh, to actually impose a code of ethics on the Supreme Court. This would allow, or this would require justices to have to follow the same disclosure rules for gifts that other judges have to follow and would require them to recuse themselves from cases that could affect their own family members or friends. If those rules were to be applied, 
<laughs> Considering Anita Thomas's activism, uh, I would, I could imagine uh, Clarence would have to recuse himself from a very high number of cases. Uh, this would be a major step forward. Uh, it is virtually impossible that it will happen. Republicans aren't getting behind it, and it would never pass the Senate uh, without at least 10 Republicans going along with it, and it won't be able to pass the House once they take over in January. And in Europe, the European Union has been working on rules that would require all member states to recognize the full parentage of the children of LGBTQI couples, regardless of how they were conceived or born. I don't know how many countries in Europe currently recognize same-sex uh, couple parentage, uh, but Poland absolutely does not, and Poland is going to veto this, which will continue the status quo where parents moving from one European country to another could lose their parental rights. Unfortunately, Poland is... The language they're using to describe it is that this would be forcing them to allow same-sex couples to adopt children, and that this is a modern form of Germanization to wipe out their Christian values. And if it's Christian values that don't recognize the rights of parents who are who love their children and are raising them, uh, yeah, those are bullshit values. And for the final story, I'm going to talk about this time. As we all know and are tired of hearing about, Elon Musk bought Twitter. He owns Twitter now. He is actively trying to drive it into the ground. And the absolute final straw for me was last week when Musk tweeted, quote, my pronouns are prosecute slash Fauci, where he was simultaneously belittling everybody who posts pronouns in their profiles and wanting, calling for Anthony Fauci to be prosecuted for the advice he gave the government through the COVID pandemic. Fauci never created policy. He never had the power to implement anything. He was the chief medical advisor. He advised policy, and former President Trump followed his advice. So, fuck you, Elon Musk. Uh, I have deleted the podcast's Twitter account, so don't look for us there. And this also brought back to mind the plans that I had abandoned to delete the podcast Facebook page, which I stopped. Like, I was a week from actually doing it when Facebook announced that they were launching podcasts on Facebook. And my personal policy is to have the podcast everywhere that you can find podcasts. So if you had to have a Facebook page to have it on Facebook and that, that was a place where you could find podcasts, then I had to keep that going. Now, Facebook killed that several months ago. And so, yeah, I am, I am killing the Facebook page, finally. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Mastodon. 
htotw.mastodon.social. You can also join our Discord at htotw.com slash Discord. And if you want to contact us, you can always just use the contact form on the website. Uh, email contact at htotw.com or leave us voicemail messages using the SpeakPipe button on the website or by calling 208-996-8667. Uh, I know that actually beautifully just segued, so <laughs> I guess we still need to cover uh, supporters, and we have two upgrading patrons, Nathan and Erica, so thank you both for your support. Um, that's going to wrap it up for this time. As a heads up, the next episode won't be until the middle of January, so it'll be a little while. Uh, it will probably be an interview. Um, but yeah, don't expect anything for about another month. That's it for this time. Hope you all have happy holidays. And we'll see you in the new year. But until then, remember, not all those who wander are lost.